Hi, my name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. God, I pray that you would take today's uh, talk from Mark 6 and use it to just challenge us, uh, challenge us. I, I pray, Spirit, that you would that you would touch every heart, that you would speak to us, Lord, that it wouldn't be the words of the preaching or even necessarily, well, it's going to be the words of the preaching or the words of the text, but Spirit, that you would speak to all of our hearts and that we would listen uh, and we would listen. So help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. President Wilson received a call one night in the middle of the night, and it was from a civil servant And he was informed that one of his appointed ministers had just died. The caller said, while I'm sure we are all saddened by this news, I would like to know if I can take his place. There was a pause on the other end of the line before the president replied. He said, well, it's all right with me if it's all right with the undertaker. There are many people who want the job of minister, right, when it comes to government appointments. They would love to be the minister of transportation. They would love to be the minister of education, you name it. But when I say the word minister, what do you think of? You don't think of a minister of government, do you? You think of somebody like myself. If I say the word ministry, what do you think of? Well, you think of a professional clergy like myself who preaches or who performs weddings or helps at funerals, that sort of thing. Even this week, my mother called me the minister of Bacon's Castle Church. Now, I don't bring it up very much anymore because you've you've learned over the years and you've humored me with this, I guess, but uh, I am not the minister of our church, right? I'm not the minister of our church. And ministry is not just about marrying people and burying people and and preaching like I'm doing this morning. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul wrote the church there, and this is what he said to them. He said, God himself gave some, and I'm going to insert the words to the church, to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now listen, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for edifying the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Messiah. God gave to the church what that says. He gave to the church certain leadership. And their goal, and their goal is to equip all of us, all of us, to do the work of ministry. That means all of us are ministers. And you say, well, Jimmy, you're just splitting hairs, and maybe I am, but but we're all to be ministers, not just myself in my capacity as a vocational pastor. All of us are in the ministry. And what is the purpose of ministry? Why did God give us ministry? Well, according to the text that I just read you, it is for the building up of the people of God. It's to build us up. And what's it to build us up towards? It's to build us up towards the unity in our faith. And it says a perfect man. Well, it doesn't mean perfect as in no, ever making no mistakes. It means perfect as in maturity, right? So that we're all mature. God gave us gifted people to help equip all of us to do the works of ministry so that the body of Christ, the church, 
all of us, we, we would be mature and we would be united together. So the question that we need to answer then, what is ministry? And the word ministry simply means to serve. So ministry is our service to others in Jesus' name. It is what we do to serve Jesus and it's what we do to serve others, uh, representing our love his love to them through us. So that's what ministry is. It is us serving others so as to advance his kingdom. So all of us are servants. All of us are ministers. All of us are servants of Jesus with the express purpose of advancing his kingdom, of serving others in his name. In the next part of, of Mark chapter 6, we're going to look at an opportunity that Jesus and his disciples had to serve others. Now, so far in this study of Mark, I haven't gone back to a study we did 11 years ago. I haven't gone back to any of those talks, but I am going back to that one this time because I believe this is a picture of what it means, what it means for us to serve others. In fact, I think this picture illustrates for us the realities of serving one another. So as we go through Mark chapter 6, you want to turn your Bibles, Mark chapter 6, we're at verse uh, 30. We're going to go through verse 44 this morning. As we go through this story, I, I think this story illustrates for us the realities of ministry. So my goal this morning is that when we leave here, this is why I prayed ahead of time, that God would work in our hearts and we'd all walk out the doors today saying, God, I want to be a servant. I want to be a minister. I want to be somebody who serves others in Jesus' name. And I want you to see some things illustrated about serving others through this story. So here's the first illustrative point, reality, that I want you to see. Serving others can be hard work. And it needs to be coupled with times of refreshment and rest. Look at verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. If you'll remember, this comes on the heels of Jesus sending his disciples out on an, an extend, the, extend the kingdom tour. Remember that? He sent his disciples out and he said, I'm going to give you the ability to heal diseases, to cast out demons. And you're to go out and you're to preach that the kingdom of God has come. And so they have done that. And now they've come back. And this ministry tour has been has been draining. And so Jesus says, hey, listen, we need, we need to have a time of rest. We need to have a time uh, to get away and kind of just uh, recoup, re recharge our batteries. They say that serving is a draining thing, even for extroverts. They say extroverts get replenished by people. And I think that's probably true. When I'm around a bunch of you all, when I leave them, I kind of feel energized by that. If you're an introvert, you'll know that's not true. If you're around a bunch of people, when you leave, you just want to go home and never see anybody ever again, right? At least that's what they tell me about you introverts. So, um, but, but serving can be strenuous and draining, not just physically, but especially emotionally. There are times, there are times when I've been around folks for a long time, I feel emotionally drained. Now, <clears throat> none of us, or, or none of that means that we don't, uh, we don't serve even when we're resting, even when we're pulling aside to recoup. One of the good things about serving in our children's ministry is that, or our children's midweek ministry, I should say, is that you have all summer to recoup, right? You have all summer to, to recharge your batteries, to rest and repair. If you're a Sunday school teacher, 
I, I, listen to me carefully. If you're a Sunday school teacher, God bless you, especially if you teach in our children's department, because so few of us volunteer for that. And so a lot of times you can be end up doing that year after year after year because you say, well, there's nobody, nobody's stepping up. Nobody's willing to serve in that particular area. And let me, let's just be honest. You get tired. You get tired and you would like to sit in adult class. You'd like to be taught for a year rather than being just someone who teaches, right? So, but I, I want to encourage you, even though it seems like nobody else will step up, if you've been serving somewhere for a year and you need some time to pull back and rest, you, you be sure to do that. God will provide God will provide someone. I'm hoping that after today's talk, maybe all of us will be willing to say, yeah, I'm willing to serve some. I'm, gonna, I'm willing to do that. The truth is we can, become, we can become stagnant if we stay in the same ministry time and time again. I don't mean we don't do nothing when I'm saying we pull back and rest. Again, I, I wish I was a bodybuilder, but I'm not. But I understand that weightlifters, they don't lift weights every single day, right? They're, they're not supposed to. So they lift weights several times a week, but not every day. But in the off days that they're not lifting weights, it's not like they're not doing anything. They're doing something else. So when you're resting from, from ministry, there, maybe there's something else that God wants you to do. Serving others can be hard work, and it's taxing. And Jesus knows we need a break every now and then. He knows we need to take time to rest and pull back. Here's a second reality that I see illustrated for us from ministry. All right? Serving others can take place anywhere. Verse 32. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. But many saw them leaving, and recognizing them, they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. So they're in a solitary place. They've gone out to Jesus. Jesus is taking his men and they're going somewhere in the middle of nowhere. So no one else will be there. But, uh, but it doesn't work out that way. People run to the place where no one is so that they're there. And here's the thought. The only place, the only place that serving can't take place is where there are no people. That's the only place where ministry can't take place is where there are no people. If there are people there, ministry can't take place. We, te- we, tend to think, we tend to think that ministry has to take place within the confines of these walls. I- I've shared this many times over the years. Ministry needs to take place outside of these walls. This morning, Shannon sent me something. Let me, let me pull, I want to read it to you because it fits really well right here. But Shannon Midkiff sent me something. She said, Jimmy, this made me think of you. And it's a little saying. It says, don't just invite people to church. Invite them to lunch. Invite them to your table or patio. Invite them into your life. Be there for them. We, not our building, are the church. And so here's the point. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Listen, ministry can take place wherever you are. Serving people can take place wherever you are, wherever you find yourself. It doesn't have to be within the confines of these walls of this church. So you got Philip and the Ethiopian out in the middle of the desert, right? Philip ministers to the Ethiopian. I remember back when I went to Mozambique all those years ago, and I still remember this, and I can remember very little, but I still remember this. We're driving along, and we pull up to a tree, and it's a big tree like the, like the umbrella trees you know, that we've seen on pictures from Africa, and it's got a wide spread of limbs, and, and there's a few people there, and when we pull up, more people come, and ministry serving people takes place in the middle of nowhere, underneath that tree. So ministry just takes place 
wherever. When we were in Bukavu, it was, a, it was a house where we fed these little children. Well, actually, Desiree and their team was feeding them, and, and we got to watch that and be a part of that. Serving others can take place at your table on Tuesday night, or it can take place on Saturday over a shovel or a chainsaw. Ministering and serving others can, can take place anywhere where people are. Here's the third illustrative reality of serving. Serving others should be motivated in part by our compassion. Look at verse 34. When they got out of the boat, that is Jesus and his disciples, when they went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he began to teach them many things. Jesus ministered to the people that day, but it says that what motivated him to do that was his compassion for them. It was his love for them. And I just want to tell you, the reason why every one of you should leave this morning, those of you who follow Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, he'll change your life, and this will be true of you, at least it should be. But all of you who follow Jesus, what ought to be a motivating factor in your life to serve others should be your care for them, your love for them, your compassion for them. We've quoted this for over two decades, I'm sure. John Maxwell penned it when he said, no one cares how much you know till they know how much you care. And I think there's a great reality to that, that statement, right? That people don't really care what we know. They really want to know what, that we care for them. And if we do care for them, then people do want to know what, uh, what we have to say. There are many reasons we could be motivated to serve others. Praise, our, our own praise, right? We, we might be motivated to serve others because we like the praise that it brings us. Maybe, uh, maybe it makes us feel good about ourselves when we serve others. Maybe it's our obedience to God. But I think the pinnacle reason for serving others should be that we love them should be that we care for them, that we are willing to love like Jesus loved. And that's why we're willing to do what we do. Paul said, the greatest of all virtues is that we love. And so that's what I want you to leave here this morning. I want you to leave here this morning, say, yeah, God, I really want to love people and I want to serve them as a result. The next one, the next reality illustrated for us, serving others doesn't always respect our plans. Uh, it can present itself at any time, at the most inopportune times, right? So Jesus had a plan to pull aside, to be alone. Uh, his, I, I don't know what he planned with his disciples. I was thinking about this, I guess. I, I've been quoting, or not quoting, but I've been referencing the chosen a lot. But maybe they were going to go swimming that day, you know? Maybe they were going to play whatever soccer sport they played back then. May, you know, maybe it was just going to be a downtime for his disciples. Not everything was always learning and instruction. There were times of just, of just resting and relaxing. So it could have been all of that. Those were his plans. But when he comes ashore, he's moved by his love for them. And he changes his plans. When we're committed to serving other people, all too often we have to put our own plans on hold and we have to change them for others. And so I think one of the biggest hindrances one of the biggest hindrances to being a servant, you know what it is? It's my selfishness. It's my time. It's my life. It's my way. Yet the Bible says I've been bought with a price. I don't belong to myself. I belong to Jesus, right? I belong to his kingdom. So I'm not my own. So Paul encourages us. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others 
above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each to you, each of you to the interest of others. If you and I are committed to serve others, we have to be committed to put others ahead of ourselves so many times and in so many ways. It means we're committing our time, our resources. And I think one of the reasons why it's hard to find ministers, and I don't mean pastors, I mean ministers in the body, right? One of the reasons it's so hard to find ministers is because of this selfish factor, because of this struggle of of not wanting to uh, give my time or my energies or my resources to whatever servant need is there. Okay. Well, let me, let me illustrate. Again, I am not trying to guilt any of us. I'm just simply trying to make it practical. Like, like serving in the children's ministries. You know, what is it that you sacrifice by serving in the children's ministries? You know what it is, right? You sacrifice the adult time you would have with other adult people. In other words, you're sacrificing being in a Sunday school class where you're interacting with other adults because you're ministering to the four-year-olds or the six-year-olds. Or I tell you what, once they get a little bit older, you're, you're just ministering to a, a shorter adult, in my opinion, once you get to those seventh and eighth graders. But, but you see what I'm getting at? I don't see anybody nodding their heads. So I don't know if you know what I'm getting at or not. But it's this, it's this, this, thank you, Russ. It's this selfish, it's this selfish factor that, yeah, I could do that, but I'll have to give up something that I want, that I enjoy, that I like to serve in that area. And that is a a struggle uh, for us. Now, you know, I don't have this in my notes, but when I was practicing this morning, I want to interject something right here. I'm not suggesting that we don't ever have boundaries. I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm not suggesting that there's never a time where we say no to service. There's plenty of times to legitimately say no to service. So I'm not suggesting no boundaries. But I'm saying maybe, maybe the boundary line should be drawn here, but we're drawing it way over here. And the reason we're drawing it over here is, is not because I actually need that boundary over there. It's because of selfishness. And, and I prefer... I prefer my, my stuff to, to being able to serve in that way. Let me move on. Uh, here's another illustrated truth about ministry and about service. Serving others is about meeting people's spiritual needs, but it's also about meeting people's physical needs. When I say ministry and I say service, and in the context in which I'm speaking and what I've been talking about, I'm sure you're thinking, you know, ministering spiritually to people, helping them grow spiritually and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and and I, am, I am referencing that. I am talking about that. I do believe that ministry is helping people grow in the grace and knowledge and understanding of Jesus and, and, and growing in their character to be like him. So it includes all of that. But this story here tells us that ministry is not just about that area, but it's about, just, it's about meeting needs that are just physical needs. Verse 35. When it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted and it's already late. Send them away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, Jesus responded. 
Now, in this case, it is simply, the serving is simply about serving them food. It's simply about giving, meeting their need for sustenance. Now, I want to be fair to his disciples. They recognize and they're worried about people's need for food. And and they say, hey, you need to send these guys out because it's getting late. And they need to be able to go get food. So they're worried and they're concerned about that. Um, But Jesus says to them, you feed them. Now, It is our responsibility, I think, as followers of Jesus to help meet people's spiritual needs and and physical needs. And I'm not talking about the lazy person. Let me interject that, lest you misunderstood. I'm not saying we carry the lazy person or the person who won't work. I mean, the Bible says if you don't, if you won't work, you don't eat. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the person who might genuinely have a physical need out of poverty or some other good reason. They might have a need. We are responsible to help meet those those needs. In John's first letter, this is what he writes. He says, by this we know love, that Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, this is talking about about physical needs, yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And I guess you could push back on me and say, Jimmy, that's just talking about Christians. We just need to take care of Christians' needs, right? Because it calls them brother or sister. And, and And I see your point. But there's just too much in the Bible about us caring for the poor with no qualifications on it. And there's too much in the Bible uh, about us uh, loving our enemies and doing good for our enemies and blessing our enemies and, and all of that. So I, 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 I don't think it's fair for us to say ministry is just about us ministering to our physical needs. I think ministry and serving others is something, and spiritually speaking too, God wants us to, to just reach out to everyone. I mean, he wants us to encompass everyone, whether they're in the kingdom or not yet in the kingdom, right? So it's the, it's the COP super Saturday, right? Where we all bring soup and we sell and buy soup so that we can help pay people's fuel bills during, uh, during the the winter. It's, uh, it's you sending, uh, helping your neighbor or sending money to the Congo to help feed uh, some children who are orphans. Ministry is about helping in disaster relief. It's about helping your neighbor when his house burns down or her house burns down. It's about building a ramp to help somebody in need or mowing someone's yard who simply needs help. That, that's ministry. That's ministering. And that's what we, you and me, need to be about. We need to be about serving. People need to say, hey man, those people serve others. Those people prefer others as more important than themselves. Those people are willing to give of themselves, even put their plans on hold in order to help others. I I could go on, but I think you get my point. We meet spiritual and physical needs, and so therefore Christians have been the primary builders of hospitals throughout the the centuries. That, That was us. We, we kind of started all of that. We started the educational institutions. When I say we, I mean we as followers of Jesus. We started all of that. We have some, even to this day, we have some of the largest uh, disaster relief agencies in the world. They're all Christians. Not all of them. But so many of them are, 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 are born out of our commitment to minister uh, to others. 
And why do we serve like this? Because we believe ministry is holistic. It's not just about the spiritual, but it's about the physical. In Japan, a man came up to a Christian disaster relief worker, and he said, I want you to tell me about Jesus. And when he asked why, he says, because whenever there's a disaster, you Christians are the ones that are here helping. So therefore, guys, uh, we minister to both. We minister to the whole person, to the inner man and to the outer man. We, t- we help minister to people's needs. Another illustrated reality. I'm almost finished. I've got two more, I think. Serving others often seems impossible to us, but nonetheless, it's what God wants us to do. And so the disciples respond to Jesus. I think it's verse 37, but I don't have it written down. Uh, I think it's verse 37. They said to him, should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? One of the other gospels says 200 denarii wouldn't even buy, wouldn't pay for this, which is some money that they didn't have. Jesus said, you do it. You serve them dinner. Their response is, we can't. It's impossible. 200 denarii can't even pay for this. We don't have this. It's too big of a project. We don't have the resources. A lot of times I think God wants us to serve in this way or that way, but we think, I just don't have the resources for that. It seems impossible. The disciples thought it was impossible for them to feed that crowd, and they're thinking money, and they did not have the money. It's funny, isn't it? They just got back from a tour where they were praying for people who had, had um, uh, diseases of all, all kinds. They had demons of all kinds. They were praying for them. Again, I, I want to reference the chosen men. They do such a great job of making those disciples. They're, they're incredulous at what God is letting them do. Right? They just got back from that tour. They're on a, they're on a retreat from that tour, and, and they just can't connect the dots between them healing diseases and God being able to use them to, to feed these people. They should have said something like, this is what they should have said, not that I'd have said it either, but they should have said, well, we got is these two fish, Jesus, but what do you want us to do with them, you know? They, that's what they should have said, right? But they just, they're not connecting the dots. Here's an application, I think, for us from, from, from this reality illustrated, and it would be this. The, the fact that something is impossible should not be an excuse for us to, to not try it. Though something seems, I'm saying again, though something seems impossible for us, it shouldn't be an excuse to not try it if we believe that God is prompting us to do something. So when, when Jesus tells Peter there on the boat that day, cast your nets over here during the day, you know, remember Peter didn't want to do it. It just seemed impossible to him. You don't catch fish during the day. We've been out all night. But he does it anyway. And he catches the biggest fish he's uh, the biggest take he's ever had, right? Why? Because he was willing to try what Jesus was telling him to do. Or how about walking on water? You know, if, if he hadn't stepped out of the boat, he never would have walked on water. I wonder how many times God wants us to serve or to minister, but we don't because we just don't believe it's possible. We just don't believe it's possible. Ministry involves stretching ourselves beyond what we think we can do. Now, this isn't in my notes either, but this came up in my, in my practice this morning. So my thought is, you know, if you're tracking with me, I'm, I'm talking about these big miracles, like feeding all these, all these people with, with money you don't have and all that kind of thing. I think a lot of times the impossible that God is asking us to do 
isn't necessarily even something so impossible as that, though it might be. God may want you to start a ministry or do something in our county or in our community that seems so impossible to you because of finances or whatever that you're not willing to try it. So that that could be. But I think so often the impossible to us is, oh, it's just, I can't do that. I don't have... I don't have the courage, I don't have the skills, I don't have the ability. I, I want to I bring the impossible down to where you can relate to it, right? Because I think I'm so far up in the atmosphere with this kind of impossible that you're just not, you're going to miss my point. My, my point is that sometimes things seem so impossible to us simply because maybe how we are or, or where we, you know, our lack of courage or something of that nature that we're not willing to try something simple like, teach a Sunday school class or talk to my neighbor about Jesus or something like that. And it just seems impossible to us. I, I want to bring it down a little bit. Here's the, final, here's the final illustrated reality about service that I think we find in this story. And it's this. Serving others is about giving what you have and trusting God to do the rest. Giving what you, the abilities you have, the resources you have, and then trusting that whatever God's prompting you to do, he is going to provide what you need to serve in whatever that area is. So look at verse 38. He asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And they found, they said, five loaves of bread and two fish. And he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the grass, on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And he took five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up to heaven, he blessed, and he broke the bread, or the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was satisfied, and they picked up 12 basketfuls of pieces of bread and fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were 5,000 men. And Jesus was teaching them, and Jesus is teaching you and me, that serving is about you and me taking what we have and then trusting God to do something bigger with it and trusting God to make something out of it that's way beyond our resources. Now, again, I don't mean to be offensive by what I'm going to say, but I, I am not a name it, claim it person. I don't believe that we can just name something and claim it and it's ours. I, I don't believe that, I, I don't believe it's... Uh, you know, believe something and it's yours, person. I, I, I just don't believe that's biblical. I don't act that way. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that way. But I do believe this. I do believe that ministry is about you stretching yourself beyond your own abilities. I do believe that what God desires in ministry is for you to stretch yourself just beyond what you think is possible naturally for you. So he does want you to step out of your comfort zone. I say that a lot. He does want you to stop being solely dependent on what you can do, right? I mean, that's how most of us operate. We look and we say, well, I can do this, and so therefore I will do this. No, I think Jesus is saying when he asks us to do some things, they're beyond the, I can do that. I mean, that's, boy, it's not in me to... It's not in me to talk to that person about Jesus. Well, maybe it's not in you naturally. You're not comfortable with it. But, you know, when you, he's asking you to step beyond what you're comfortable, what you're comfortable with. 
In ministry, look at things from God's perspective and see how he might be leading you. See what he's, he's prompting you with. And, and then when, he, when you do this, step beyond yourselves and let him take care of, of what's missing. So here's my application for this illustrated truth. It would be that when God asks you to do something impossible, he then gives you whatever is needed for you to do that thing, whatever, whatever it is. Erwin Lutzer points out that Jesus often told people to do impossible things. To the lame man, he said, rise, pick up your bed, and walk. Could the lame man do that? Not, not on his own, he couldn't, right? But he had, to, he had to at least try. Jesus told him to do that, and he tried, and then God enabled him to do that. Same thing with the lepers. Go and show yourself to the priest. You'll be clean. And so they, they, could they be clean just by going to the... No, but by... by Doing, stepping out with what God had told them to do, God provided what they need. And, and so maybe this is how it always works with God's commands. We obey and he supplies what we need to carry it out. Whatever he demands, he supplies. He bids us fly, he gives us wings. <laughs> uh, you know, the problem with that is we're so afraid of, we're so afraid that he bids us fly, he'll give us wings. But what if he didn't bid me fly and I jump off the roof, right? And he doesn't provide wings. That's kind of, I think, what we're, what we're afraid of. Many times over the years, I have felt unqualified and unresourced in what God wanted me to do. But, but I, I can honestly say, I don't know that I've, uh, I mean, like my joke didn't go over very well this morning, right? Sometimes it doesn't, doesn't go over very well what, God, what you think God wants you to do. But, but, but I can say honestly after all these years that, that, that God has, I, I've never stepped out. I've never stepped out and been destroyed for seeking to obey the Lord. So I, I just really want to challenge us to not let fear or the lack of God not, you know, if we, if we think we're following the Lord and we're scared to step out because what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? Is he going to really give me the wings? And so we kind of just, we prefer to stay here. I just want to encourage us, challenge us to, to not let fear keep us from, uh, from stepping out and, and doing what God is calling, what God is maybe prompting you to do in service, okay? So let me just ask you, it's a rhetorical question, but I'd like you to ask it to yourself. Is there some area in your life that Jesus is saying to you, you feed them? You do it. You do it. But you've been unwilling to do it because it's too scary. It's too hard. You're afraid. I just really want to challenge you to do it. Don't be like Moses. This is what we do, with, this is what we do all the time. Um, <laughs> Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh. Oh, I get it, God, but I'm not the right person. You send somebody else, right? That's what we do, right? God's prompting us, and we're saying, God, send somebody else. Send somebody else who's more comfortable with that. My prayer, my goal, my desire for us this morning is that we would be bold and courageous and we would step out in faith and be ministers, every single one of us. In the end, uh, they fed them all. Not only did they feed them all, but it said they had 12 baskets left over. Not 11, not 13, they had 12. Why did they have 12? You know why they had 12, right? It's one for each one of them. What is, what's God, what is God trying to say to them? What is Jesus saying to them? I think he's saying, I am enough. I'm enough. When I tell you to feed them, I am enough. 
When you offer your resources to God, whatever your resources are, as inadequate as they may seem to you, you know, your teaching, your ability to talk to someone about Jesus, your ability to, you know, whatever it might be, and, and, and just serving in some uh, physical way for someone, right? Whatever, you will find that you're impossible, because it seemed impossible for you to do that, you'll find that your impossible becomes possible. Hudson Taylor, uh, the great missionary to China, he is reported to have said this. There are three, three stages to every great work of God. First, it is impossible. Then, it is difficult. And then, it is done. God wants every one of you to be a minister. God wants me to be a minister. He wants you to be a minister. He wants you to serve each other in Jesus' name. He wants you to serve others outside these walls, ministering to them holistically, their, their spiritual needs and their physical needs. He wants you to do that for the kingdom's sake. And he may ask you to do what seems impossible. Don't be afraid. You can do it. Let Jesus supply the rest. So start that small group in your house. Invite that neighbor over to your house for dinner so that you can get to know them. Join a ministry team. Help that neighbor that you know needs help, but you've just been reticent to go volunteer. Be a part of a disaster relief team, relief team whatever it is. Then your impossible will seem maybe difficult. And then your difficult will be done. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check us out on YouTube and Facebook to get to know us and see what God is doing here in Surrey. Be blessed.